time to get inspired and improve your yoga knowledge in English. You're listening to Your Yoga in English, a podcast for yogis and yoga teachers that speak English as their second or third language and want to practice or teach yoga worldwide. I'm Annie, the founder of Enga Unite, and here to guide you on the way to become the confident and knowledgeable English-speaking yogi you want to be. We are live in the Digital Yoga Academy Facebook group. Normally I would ask, let me know where you're from or tell us that you're here. This time I would really like to know what your first language is. So some of you will speak English as their first language, but I know that a lot of you speak another language as their first language, like Spanish or Italian or French, maybe Chinese, Mason. So I'm gonna give you a quick introduction. My name is Annie. I am from the Netherlands and I am an English teacher and yoga teacher and the founder of Enga Unite. And Enga Unite is an online learning platform for yogis and yoga teachers that are also English learners. So we focus especially on the language that we use in our yoga classes. Because as many of you know, it's very different to the language that we use in an English class or any like social uh, occasion that we normally speak English, right? So today we're going to speak about how to effectively teach yoga in English, especially when it's not your first language, but also if you are maybe living abroad and you are teaching people from a different background, or if you are teaching online maybe and your community is international and you have uh, people with a different first language in your class. So if you feel like that's you, let me know and we're going to start. And I would like to start today with a little experiment. Imagine you are going to your first yoga class in English. Maybe you're an English speaker and it's your first yoga class in English ever. Or maybe you are an English learner and you're going to to an English class for the first time. Just tune into that moment, tune into that feeling of being a learner again or being a beginner again. And imagine you're walking inside and the teacher opens the door and they say, hello, welcome. Je mag wel vast naar de studio lopen, rol je mat uit, ga lekker zitten, kom in kleermaken zit of een gemakkelijke zit. And you are like, what the fuck is going on? Excuse my French. If you speak Dutch, you might have understood what I said. But if you don't speak Dutch, you might have actually just experienced what you felt the first time you went to a yoga class in English, or maybe an English class as well. It's definitely how I felt. The first time I went to class, I had no clue what was going on, and I felt very intimidated. I didn't really know what to do and I felt really insecure because even though I was, well, bilingual, I understood English perfectly, I just couldn't keep up with the pace and I felt really stupid for not understanding my teacher. 
And this is what a lot of people feel when they go to class for the first time, especially if you're not speaking English as your first language. So just hold on to that feeling for a bit and let's dive into this topic a little bit further. The language that we use in yoga is very different to the language that we use in our daily, uh, daily life. It's not the language that we speak with our parents or with our siblings and friends, unless they're yogi friends. <laughs> it's not the language that you use or that you learn when you go to a general English class either. They don't teach you how to reach your arm up and lift, lift your head, look up, gaze up and come down again. These are things that no one really teaches you. You understand when you do it, but it takes time because there's a lot going on. There needs to be a lot of focus. You're listening, feeling, breathing, and in action. There's just a lot going on at the same time. So when we are communicating as teachers, we really need to be aware of the way that we are communicating, the language that we use, and the tenses that we use, the vocabulary that we use. Your communication is about sending and about receiving, about engaging with your student and not speaking too much about yourself. Um, yoga, as you know, is a very spiritual and a very personal experience. We can only teach what we know, what we have experienced, what we have been through. Your student probably is not on the same level as you are. Your student doesn't know the things that you know. So it's not about showing how spiritually connected you are or your proof of knowledge of anatomy because your student has no clue what you're speaking about. I think as a fluent teacher or as a bilingual teacher or as a native teacher, we need to be able to simplify the ways of teaching or the words that we use, our structures, our cues, our instructions to a way that even maybe a child would understand because this is a way to connect with your students and this will be uh, understood by everyone. I want to give an example to, to make this point even clearer. <laughs> when I went for my yoga teacher training, I was bilingual, I was well, I would say native on paper. I understand I was teaching English for three years already. I didn't think it would be any problem for me to do my yoga teacher training in English. But I went there and I was completely flabbergasted by the language used by my teacher. It was very intimidating. I didn't relate to it at all. She was speaking about anatomy as if she was a doctor. There were all these Sanskrit names which are already um, new to everyone. There's just so much going on. Um, and you can't really relate to it. So what I want to say with this is that we want to be able to simplify everything that we're saying to a level that everyone can understand. Why would you overcomplicate it? And one of the things that I have used so, uh, so much already uh, in our communication on social media the last few weeks is that your communication or your teaching is not about making yourself heard. It's about making yourself understood. 
So be careful when judging your student's level of understanding. Remember, they don't have the same experience as you do. They probably don't know about anatomy as you do. They don't know about yogic philosophy as much as you do. So really lower down your level and come to the same level as they are. Meet your students where they are, right? That's what we are all taught in our yoga teacher training as well. All right. So... Effective communication is not about making yourself heard, it's about making yourself understood. I'm going to give you some tips or some tricks that I really like to use with, uh, for myself as a teacher, but also with my students. And I think that could be useful for you as a teacher, as a student, and no matter if you are an English learner or you're an English native, either way, this could really work especially if you are also teaching people from a different background. So record your classes, or if you have a class recorded already, look back and reflect on the language that you have used in that class or in any class. Especially look out for using the ING form. So, very often you hear teachers say, we're, we're going to come to the front of your mat. You're wanting to keep your gaze up. And there's just a lot going on. As a native speaker, you might get lost. But as a learner, you definitely get lost because there's the ING form. There's a lot of words and the instructions, even though they are pretty clear, it's just a lot to process in a very short time because all of this happens in probably a second or two. What you mean really is come to the front of your mat and look up. That's it. Maybe this is not a cue that you would actually use, but it's just to give you an example. So instead of using ING, use short and direct examples or short and direct cues, short and direct instructions. Now, in mindfulness practices, or in meditation practices, we often speak about hypothetical or conditionals. So hypothetical situations or hypothetical circumstances and conditionals. Something that I heard not long ago was, what would it be like if you were walking by the sea, your toes touching the sand and you're feeling full of energy? Like this is a very nice feeling and it's really it's very poetic maybe but there's just a lot again a lot of language to focus on there's the ing there's a lot of things that need to be imagined and it's a huge sentence the sentence is very long like you would lose me at the first bit already so again be short and direct use action verbs and leave it open so people can really try and practice to imagine. For example, imagine a beach, you sit down. Is it warm? Is it cold? Is there wind? You touch the sand? How does it feel? These are all very short sentences that are easy to digest and people understand straight away. For you as a teacher, it's also easier because you don't have to think of the whole script that you've been uh, writing on this hypothetical situation. 
If your students are a higher level, you can introduce more complex um, language, but it's not necessary at the start. And even if it's a native speaker, it's really nice to have short things to focus on and to train your focus. Then be consistent and be repetitive. I think a lot, maybe 90% of teachers in the beginning are afraid to repeat the same thing over and over again. They feel like they need to be inventive and original and change it up all the time. And I don't think that's necessary. I personally do practices multiple times or watch an episode of something multiple times or I listen to an episode of a podcast multiple times because there are always things that you miss. There are always things that you pick up on the next time. And this is the same with your students. Your students don't hear that you repeat things over and over again. And if anything, this is great for learning new language, for, for them to really integrate, to embody what they need to do. So if you repeat to lift your arms into a T-shape and keep your shoulders low, day in, day out, that's absolutely fine. People need, to, need that repetition to learn. And you as a teacher as well. You need the repetition to learn as well. So don't be afraid to, re to, to repeat the same things and be consistent. All right, then we have got many things. I'm so excited. <laughs> also, there are many different names for the body parts and for yoga postures. Like we have the Sanskrit names and we've got all these English variations too. And in English practices, I see different names all the time everywhere. Coming from Australia, from the US or from the UK, there's different names and variations. If it's great if you know all these variations, but in your classes, I recommend sticking to only one, just to not confuse anyone and not confuse yourself. It's difficult enough to remember all these different names and the cues and the breath and the focus. So just stick to one pose at the same time. All right, so theme your class. We want to always have a theme for the class. This makes it easier for you to plan your class and to stick to a certain topic. But it also helps the student to understand what they focus on. It gives everyone a goal. It gives everyone a focus on a, on a specific benefit. You can always pre-teach vocabulary that you're going to use or pre-teach asana poses that you might uh, repeat. And you can demonstrate certain things that you will focus on later in the class. For example, if, if your students are a very low level of English and they don't know what the body parts are, just sit down with them and go through it one by one. Or if your students are a higher level, you can gear it up and just give some more different names of it or use synonyms. There's so many different variations, so it's okay to play with that too. Some things to help you learn new vocabulary or to help you memorize your scripts. I really recommend writing down vocabulary lists. I love writing down, but if you're not a writer, you can just record yourself saying it out loud. 
So write a vocabulary list of body parts, write a vocabulary list of action verbs, write a vocabulary list of um, adjectives that describe the body or the mind. Just write a list per category of things that you often use in your classes. Then write and record your sequences, your poses, your asanas, your meditations, the warm-up, the peak pose. Record and write down everything. I think this is one of the best practices to remember all the things that you want to say. And believe it or not, I still do this all the time. I practice all the classes and I practice everything I'm going to say in my classes. It just gives me a really nice structure and also helps me understand what the students will understand and what's easy to follow and what's maybe unnecessary. So let me recap quickly. We said effective communication is not about making yourself heard, but making yourself understood. And we do this by using short and direct verbs or instructions or cues. We do this by using action verbs and leaving it open for imagination, but not using too many hypothetical or conditional structures. Be consistent and be repetitive and theme your classes. Write your vocabulary list and write or record your scripts of everything that you're teaching. Everything. <laughs> Remember, yoga is international and you want to be able to connect people internationally as well. That means that you have to be able to connect to their level of understanding. So if you go on and on and on about difficult structures or feelings or psychology, the student is already very busy listening to their own feelings. And we want them, we want to give them the opportunity to spiritually or internally connect. If we are going on and on about different structures and a lot of wording, it's just a lot of distraction. So keep it simple. Be very and be and dare to be quiet in the meantime. We don't have to be speaking all the time. <laughs> Questions about this topic. You know, take from this what you like. I think yoga is very personal and everyone has their own teaching style. Everyone will have to make their classes and their style of teaching their own. You obviously want to practice and teach from a place that connects with you. With the synonyms, for example, like the vocabulary list, always take the words that connect with you or that sound like you. I'm not a person that's chanting om at the start of a class because it doesn't really connect with me. The same with certain vocabulary as well. So always make it your own. And just try, see what works for you. Don't be afraid to try new things. I have a worksheet for those that are interested to practice uh, teaching yourself and to help you a little bit on your way on which you will get ideas for synonyms and you can write a sequence or your own script as well if you are interested in practicing a little bit yourself. And I've got a really exciting announcement for those that want to practice teaching in English.
So we are growing our community and we have more and more teachers joining us. And I think it would be amazing if we can all practice our teaching. So if you like, and if this sounds interesting to you, we are opening community classes in which you can practice teaching in English. It's completely free. You can join whenever you like. And if you're interested, you can just send me uh, a personal message or you can send me an email at annie at engayunite.com <laughs> and we will be in touch with you to come up with the dates very soon. It will be happening in March and it's first come, first served. So I'm going to leave it here. You've got the worksheet to practice. And if you would like to practice teaching in English as well, you can join us in our community classes. And I just want to thank Kelly a lot for having me here, for giving me the opportunity to speak to you guys in the group. I hope it's been useful for some of you. And like I said, really take from it what you like, make it your own and keep practicing. Also, one really nice thing that anyone that's learning a language or that wants to become fluent in everything, you know, very often we are fearful of speaking in public or speaking in general because we don't sound like the others or we don't sound like a native. But a foreign accent is a sign of bravery, of being able to just show up for yourself and practice and let yourself be heard. And understood. <laughs> Amazing, guys. Thank you all for watching. If you have any questions later on, please let me know. I'm here to answer them. If you would like to practice teaching with us, please get in touch and I will let you know the dates coming up soon. Have a lovely day and speak to you soon. You listen to Your Yoga in English brought to you by Enga Unite, a unique online learning platform for non-native English-speaking yogis and yoga teachers. If you feel inspired and like what you learned today, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and follow us at Enga Unite and become a member of our online community Your Yoga in English on Facebook. Practice, rest, repeat and all will come.